0: Breakfast puppies?
1: This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Glitter Boys.
0: January 1999. I had just moved to Oregon and this came out rifter number five with this beautiful stolen cover from uh the butts edition where they're <laughs> uh looking out over the valley and uh there's that rift pouring through the mountains and they just decided that that would make great cover art and fuck, i agree
1: yeah and they wrapped it around so the other half of it the two page spread right there on the back you know hidden by hidden unfortunately by the credits but yeah that is just an amazing picture one of the best.
0: So the Rifter keeps chugging along and we're going to keep going through them because, man, there's a lot of good stuff. Each one of these is basically a, a series of source books for all their different games. So, I mean, as long as they're there, we're going to keep doing them.
1: And also a bit of a time capsule into what's happening at that time.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. The, it starts off with uh, From the Desk of Kevin. Talks about uh, what happened in 1998. You know, you can't get a bookmark now for 7.95. and in 1998 you could get a rifter (laughs) that's beautiful
1: (laughs) i say this having just purchased the ten dollar bookmark at the japanese garden (laughs) 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 all right yeah this is an interesting time capsule because wasn't this wizards of the coast time wizards of the coast had either i think wizards of yeah 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 watsi had already purchased tsr i believe or were in the process of it
0: magic was really taking off right now magic the gathering because they they make mention of it in the in uh
1: kevin's little foreword yeah yeah this is very much a time capsule for my life at that time because january of 1999 i was still living in my hometown and at this point point, when he's talking about the future of palladium books he's talking about the the release of the balgor wastelands and the release of the uh, riffs australia both books Mm -hmm. that i got oh man Great books. Great books. Balgor was a fantastic, fantastic continuation of the Palladium fantasy series. And Rifts Australia, fucking A, one of the best, in my opinion. If you want that Mad Max feel, and with a little bit of Akira, mind you, with the whole Mm city-state enclaves, yeah, Australia's a great book. But anyway, yeah, we, we got some news. They're talking about the Rifts novels, which I've read. They're okay. We can talk about those at some point later.
0: We should really do book reviews on those one of those days, one of these days. Yeah,
1: you got to read them.
0: Yeah, they little self-brag about uh, how they keep their prices down. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it, it just talks about some of the stuff we just did uh the Balgor wastelands i don't think mount nimro ever
1: came out it did i had it yeah. it did okay yeah So did the eastern territory i never saw the crimson hardcover but yeah we've got revised recon came out mechanoid invasion trilogy came out is so here yeah. talking about other books that never came out like the lowlands uh you know old kingdom wolf and wars land of the damned series did go did come out so that was good and then all right So, basically, Kevin starts talking about things that we've already been talking about heavily on our show here, uh, starting on page 12, about how Rifts has become the embodiment of endless possibilities, limited only by one's imagination. So fucking true. Like, unleash your imagination, you know, being the whole Palladium tagline, especially for Rifts. And I love what he talks about here is more inspirations behind it, uh, his ideas that he's got coming down the line, and just... (sighs) the direction that he's taken with it and why he writes it the way that he does.
0: We start to see what I think is going to be the precursor for a lot of, a lot of the things we've talked about presently on the show as well, such as while uh, there's a lot of rift source books for a lot of things, sometimes they're done in a very, in a very Western sense. Like when you're looking at Japan, when you're looking at Mm -hmm. Africa, when you're looking at some of these other places, he he addresses that, and I think he sticks to this uh, for for the rest of it. When he's talking about, I'm just trying to fill in a tapestry of the whole world so that people from everywhere can play, you know, their area. Like, and I I think that's an admirable mm. goal. It didn't always get pulled off because you can't you can't you can't be a native of more than one place. You just can't. You know, you you are you have your early childhood inculcation from where your early childhood was, and you won't have that same connection with other places you can try. And I, th- I think he did.
1: Yeah. He's from America. Most yeah. of his biggest fans are from America. Clearly there's going to be a very heavy American focus on the settings. And what he's ultimately saying here is that that just means there's going to be more rifts, North America source books. I think you can also read into this a little bit that he's not really coming out and saying, which is when you read any of the foreign stuff, also understand that it was probably largely written by somebody from America who was inspired by it. Mm -hmm. It's not always true. Sometimes they do have people from those areas write their own stuff, but that's a subject for a longer discussion about cultural accuracy in the other books. But he does talk a bit about freelancers and he does bring in freelancers to write some of these non-American source books. Mm -hmm. That's why you see a somewhat different writing style a lot of times. And we go straight from that heavy topic to nights at the dinner table because <laughs> that's a
0: side swipe you want to do. People die and are brutalized by the GM. Next,
1: uh <laughs> yeah, pick on Bob day basically. Everybody hates Bob. Then
0: we get <laughs> to something that's going to be going away soon. Robotech. Well, at least in the context of this era, yeah. Now there yeah. is some fun stuff here for Robotech. There is the Zentrati heavy assault pod. Now, this is interesting because this is the the uh ref making a mecca for for Zentrati that aren't headless ostriches. <laughs> and it's it's gorgeous. It's a it's a good looking robot. But hey, look at uh, look at the MDC and think about what we just talked about for the Borg.
1: Yeah, main body <laughs> 350 plus an additional hundred on the chest and underside okay yeah 450 yeah uh, like yeah. A,
0: a, a borg and this could get into a punching match
1: mm-hmm. well yeah especially if that borg was wearing his external armor fuck yeah
0: yeah then we have an actually somewhat better looking hover tank i like it Yep, wayne bro i is bro i, wayne, bro? I, I did I not wayne. i did not like the original hover tank in in macross this this is a nice looking thing because it it kind of matches the uh the macross officer pod for zentradi but makes it into a transformable hover tank as well it's really cool
1: yeah
0: i like it then we move on uh from that beautiful artwork to apollo doing heroes unlimited <laughs> this is some of the simplest art i've seen in riffs
1: yeah yeah it <laughs> well there's good reason for it in this this whole extended article by a couple of freelancers um jay fitzloff and julius rosenstein it talks about running Heroes Unlimited in earlier settings. So looking at the poll page, you know, this is clearly inspired by like Popeye art yeah. going on here. But then we've got things like uh, we move into the golden age, like the thirties through the fifties. And then we've got the the decline era, the silver age and, and so on and so on. And I I do love that all of the art in this section matches that kind of stuff. Like, you know we've got some golden age styled art here in the golden age section and then we've got um you know silver age stuff there and then we've got what is clearly <laughs> some 1990s comic book style art there on page 29 like yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> that i think is more 90s than all of Heroes unlimited combined <laughs> well done
0: there there was yeah there was a, a very much a style to the To the 90s comic books that was just unsubtle. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that.
1: And this article was broken up by an unfortunate, unfortunate today. Look back at something that people were excited about that never came to happen. And that is the second edition of the Ninja Turtles RPG, which never happened. And that is a beautiful fucking piece of Casey Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm, So sad. Could have been a great book. And technically, it kind of was. They turned it into After the Bomb, and After the Bomb is awesome.
0: <laughs> was After the Bomb mainly cut and paste from that?
1: Well, the second edition, yeah. Oh, I think it was the second edition. Anyway, what we look at as After the Bomb now was essentially what was supposed to be released as Ninja Turtles second edition with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it moves on into my people.
1: <laughs> uh, the Yeti's
0: Abominable Snowman's. People from the Himalayas, foul, templated, defiant, dim-witted, and smell horrible.
1: <laughs> My first exposure to what they call the Rahu men was from Monsters and Animals for Palladium Fantasy. Rahu mm. men are in there, and they actually feature at least a couple of them. Feature pretty heavily in the extended fantasy campaign, Island at the Edge of the World. But the Rahu man in in other settings is yeah, they they fill the role of the Yeti in. You know, classic Earth yeah. heroes Unlimited, limited and ninjas and super spies. They're four-armed, They're mega damage creatures on Rifts Earth, kind of thing. But they have their own martial arts styles. And this article goes into their history and how you can con- how you can play one with the base classes from ninjas and super spies.
0: It's a very interesting world they come from too. It's it's a mountain world. It's basically a, a volcanically active, large earthquake. Just it's it's a planet of mountain and i i i would love to see a world book on that eventually i doubt that will ever happen it's a niche of a niche
1: of a niche yeah probably not so i i would like to address page 37 here and my favorite word in this whole book zwittentang zwittentang. i don't know if that's how it's pronounced but i'm calling it zwittentang (laughs)
0: Oh, the weapon proficiency?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's just a big fucking stick. It's essentially the Rahu Man shillelagh. (laughs) You
0: know, I think they missed a golden opportunity here, artistic-wise, and that was to show the Rahu Man doing literally any domestic task. Like, whenever you see a four-armed critter of any kind, it's clutching weapons. I mean, because overpowering blender of of blades and guns and... (laughs) But I mean, doing the dishes or, or painting or, yeah. uh, or you know, gardening, uh, pulling weeds. I mean, it would it would really rock to be a Rahu man at that time.
1: Well, in their credit, in the Island at the Edge of the World book, there is art of one of the Rahu men being a shepherd. Shows him in his field with his shepherd's crook mm-hmm. and his, you know, sheep and animals behind him. Not dressed for combat in any way whatsoever.
0: Excellent. I like that. I I think I mean we all it's, it's action riffs is especially is action it's geared that way, but I mean it's 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 fun to show that bit. I've always liked the the art that shows the in between moments. Um, I, I think like Agreed. early second edition D and D was fantastic for that.
1: I want to give a shout out to an artist online named Arthur Asa, uh, Asa. He did art for me on commission for one of my old D and D parties, and I specifically contracted with him because he does amazing slice of life art mm-hmm. and i wanted my entire group and by that point our dnd party had consisted of among f- six players about 15 characters that had come and <laughs> gone and had a headquarters and whatever anyway had this peace commission that had all of them standing in the dinner line <laughs> and Aww. it's wonderful well, that moves us away from the Rahu men. First, we were looking at ninjas and super spies. And uh, now we're looking at rifts and what classes they do. And we get back to the Zwittentang. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talk about their physiology and we've got more art. Now we see them with some cybernetics or whatever armor, cybernetics. I can't tell. You know, base race
0: stuff. But then we get back to something really fun for Matthews, and that is mm-hmm. rune weapons from the Palladium fantasy verse.
1: Yes, and we've talked about them in previous episodes and how metal palladium really is. Maroon weapons are the prime example of that, in my opinion, aside from the enchanted fucking cauldron, right.
0: they all look like stormbringer uh they're all pretty
1: badass <laughs> yeah, we got some rune swords, we got some rune daggers, we got a rune helmet yeah, just mm. don't don't put these on your face
0: don't don't put them in your hands don't don't. Unless you're in that kind of campaign. I mean, if, if you're in the gain ultimate power to fuck up planet, then yeah, you should pick up a ruin weapon.
1: Now, then after this, we get into a cross megaverse article about barnstorming. This is a lot of fun. It's fantastic. My first exposure to the concept of barnstorming was from the writer uh, Richard Bach. He Mm -hmm. wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull, but he also wrote something called Illusions, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Mm -hmm. And in that, he talks a lot about his barnstorming. And I love the idea of bringing in the barnstormer, you know, the, the itinerant pilot who just lands in a field somewhere, charges money for some rides, gets a place to sleep for the night. Does some tricks for the locals. Yeah. And this talks about how to bring that into All of the Palladium games, except for maybe like Fantasy.
0: Remember my complaint about the art just a second ago. I love Mm. the Barnstormer pick, where it's this like you know kind of burly guy with a mustache, missing teeth, just grinning his full head off as his canopy is in the back. it's fantastic.
1: They take the idea of the original Barnstormer and morph it into something of a test pilot, Uh, especially when they bring it into Robotech. Yeah,
0: and Interestingly enough, that was my first exposure to the concept was uh, from Robotech, which was the, the flying circus that both uh, Rick and his big brother belonged to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, the flying circus. That sounds like a great way to grow up. But, yeah, it, it talks about the different settings you can use it in uh, up to and including Nightbane and Beyond the Supernatural.
1: Yeah. Uh, they add some really cool rules in here for dogfight combat. Mm-hmm. Really dig it. We've got Techno Wizard Barnstormers. We've got Techno Wizard Planes. Yeah. Oh, the Techno Wizard Planes are so sexy, too. Yeah. I actually used this as the basis for a non-player character in our Rifts game. Frank, mm-hmm. the Techno Wizard, he mm-hmm. was a TW Barnstormer. I yeah I I love the
0: thought of the old flying fortress or the the what is it the 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 P51 the Mustang mhm it's just being held aloft by you know crazed magical power and being flown by crazy seat of the pants flyers I I think that's that's fantastic
1: Next we've got the operator now the operator is a core class from Rifts that's in both the bots and the uh ultimate edition this article expands them.
0: Now, I was—I uh, actually have two copies of Number Five. You sent me one for this, and you actually sent me one for the—the uh, the one that's after the operator, which we'll get into in just a
1: second. Yeah, the—the the armor operator. I yeah. yeah,
0: yep. The operator is a really interesting character class for for riffs. It's if if you are interested in. Making and applying these things that that you make and modify into the world, it's it's fantastic. If you want to explore the edges of what you can do in the Rifts or even the Palladium system, the Operator is a great way to go.
1: Yeah, especially if you like machines. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this has some variant operator classes that you know basically take the core operator but mess with their skills a bit so you've got the city rat version or the wilderness version and then we have the armor version which i had proposed to you matthew as one, yeah. for one of your characters
0: i want to talk about the wilderness operator though that is a gi joe wet dream that picture on 67 mm-hmm. uh, of yeah
1: it does look like an action figure
0: yeah, and it's it's a cool, cool snowmobile. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Armorer. So, yeah, if if you're if you're gotten past the point of stuffing a rag uh, into a uh, glass jar of gasoline, you might want to look at the Armorer. If if you improvise things a lot, you may want a, a framework to work that in. And to to my my regret, I am a person who improvises things a lot and this was a very helpful thing
1: after that we've got some more magic for the spatial mage which i believe was introduced in the previous rifter and Mm, they're number three (laughs) yeah fucking weird 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 mages that have a they're freaking young gods is what they are yeah yeah (laughs) yeah basically and these spells some of these spells have multiple pages of description like if you have a level eight spell such as (laughs) Anti space, <laughs> fold space, and wormhole—like these are with light years of range. Yeah, extreme anomaly. Yeah, this is a high concept character.
0: Yeah, yeah like you're you're doing uh, basic algebra to figure out the the mm-hmm. damage. Three D ten times one hundred plus four thousand mega damage. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just ugh. we've we've spoken a time or two about well, many times about the distinct lack of balance in rifts i i would say this is the high end of that as far as like player player character classes go however i find it to be to be fascinating and um, yeah there's more stuff in there for it then we move to nightbane the tribes of the moon
1: now this is another continuation of a previous article this takes the tribes of the moon from the previous issue of the rifter and expands it further I don't really know if this was intended as to be a two-parter, but uh, if it wasn't, now we've just got more for it. This is part two of that. More tribes, more characters, all different kind of interesting stuff going on here. If you're in into Nightbane and you like werewolves, this is for you. Or bear wolves or jaguar wolves or <laughs> yeah. various lycanthropic yeah. things. Magical items and story hooks and factions it's you know more of the things that i think nightbane does best some good adventure hooks too
0: then uh we have the continuation of
1: the siege of tolkien Mm -hmm. and followed by the hammer of the forge yeah and we're going to be seeing these for many issues to come
0: now these were eventually collected
1: in books right i know the hammer of the forge was i don't know about the siege of tolkien
0: okay i want to bring your eye to something at the very last page of this book are you there with me page 112 Mm, yes
1: okay see that bot there no i don't because it looks like right above riffs rpg yeah see i am ah okay i have the digital version in front of me and they replaced the ads pages with more up-to-date stuff
0: oh okay well there is a 40k night there uh which is now apparently part of (laughs) riffs like it is it is straight up that like this is this is swiped and stolen and changed the serial numbers were filed off and i think it was moved across state lines so i think they're allowed to have it but it is very much 40k as
1: long as it's not literally with using the word space marine i think they're good oh it's so close and you want to be so careful with games workshop those litigious (laughs) bastards yeah
0: uh, anyway, so that was uh, that was Rifter number five.
1: Good addition. It's yeah. good stuff, especially if you're into everything. Actually, it's got something for everything. Not really into Beyond the Supernatural, but most of their other settings that were out at that time are supported in this book.
0: Yeah. Uh, once again, the Rifter is a fabulous resource, um, and we've heard buzz about it being restarted. It's it's good to go back through and see what you need for the games you're interested in. And you can still pick up copies of all of them. So. Mm-hmm. That's a resource for you. And it's it's still a very affordable resource.
1: All right. That's all I got. All right. That's all I got.
0: We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to the Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furbyguy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org.
0: PC has gone away from me, he's dropped the signal and I'm singing to myself, I hope he hears this when he gets back to the Jitsi meeting, and then we can talk more about the Rahu man. Rahu
1: man.
0: And this is the end of the recording because the internet is a cruel and fickle mistress, and it decided just to separate us forever lost the electronic seas npc and me